Welcome back to another episode of That Football Stats Podcast. In this one, it's going to be a bit of a, a ramble, a bit of a review of the weekend we've just seen in Europe. Um, and we'll start with the Premier League, where it was a fantastic weekend for Manchester City. I would not want to be a Premier League defender, uh, full stop, but I would not want to be a Premier League defender this season Coming up against Jeremy Doku, 6-1 Manchester City uh, demolishing Bournemouth and Doku, man of the match quite easily from the first minute. He was electric. It must be so scary uh, coming up against him because he can go left, he can go right. He himself is lightning quick, but his brain and his feet are also just as quick. A really scary proposition because Manchester City are now... They're able to mix it up, whether it's Jack Grealish or Doku. And I think we'll see, in certain situations, Doku replacing Grealish. And they can use Grealish in that sense if they need to calm things down. I think Grealish now is such a good player in and out of possession for Man City. Whereas Doku, these kind of games, Bournemouth at home, he's just going to come into his own. He's, As I say, electric is the right word to describe him. And it was a very, very good weekend for Man City because of the other results around the Premier League. And one of those results was the tea time kickoff. Newcastle won, Arsenal nil. A game filled with controversy and um, a lot of post-match drama. Just on the game, I thought it played out as I pretty much expected. If you watch my uh, predictions video on YouTube from last week, um, I did call a Newcastle victory. I just think at home they are so strong defensively. They were solid. Um, the crowd is like a 12th man. It is such an advantage. It gives that little bit of extra spice to the players, which we definitely saw with Bruno Guimaraes. I mean, there's a clip going around on Twitter um, where it follows him throughout the game. And he was putting himself about. Now, you can blame Bruno or you can blame the referee. I, on this occasion, I'm going to choose to blame the referee because Bruno, from the first minute, there was a tackle on him. Maybe he's riled up. The crowd, obviously, is galvanising the team with every press, right? Every time Anthony Gordon puts it out for a throw-in off an Arsenal player, it's like they've scored a goal. Every time Bruno makes a tackle, it's like they've scored a goal, right? So Bruno is just raging around. So same with Joe Linton. He's like a wrecking ball and Bruno, he leads with his arm. It's a, it's an arm into the into the head, right, of uh, Jorginho, was it? The ref and VAR should take action. You can blame the players all you want, and they're obviously riled up because they're the crowd, but the referees here are to blame. The refereeing is not good enough. It's like they've not got the balls to make decisions. Oh, it's not conclusive. We can't. Do- You're the referee. This is your job. It's your only job to make these calls. And... Mikhail Arteta was absolutely livid after the game because there was a few incidents obviously leading up to the Newcastle goal. When the ball goes out of play, it looks, the camera angle that you see, most angles that you see, it looks like it's clearly out of play. Now that one, I understand because if there isn't the, the correct angle, you can't you can't definitively say whether it's in or out. There was a, an incident in the World Cup, wasn't there? I think it was Japan, where everybody thought it was out. It looked like it was out and then they showed the the technology that they used at the World Cup where you can see that it is in by a fraction and then you see all these um, perspective videos where the, there's a ball on a piece of paper and the shadow makes it look like it's out but it's actually level with the paper. So that one, yes, I understand it's annoying for Arteta but okay. Then the ball comes in, there is a clear push from Joel Linton into the head of the Arsenal defender. I think it was Gabriel. 
and we just want a bit of consistency. One thing I wanted to mention as well is the pundits. So Gary Neville is coming out and saying, oh, it's not conclusive, the push, you can't do it. But he, last week in the Manchester derby, was saying, you know, Rodri feels McTominay's hands on him, literally just a hand around his torso, and flops to the floor, and a penalty is given about 30 seconds after the play's continued, by the way, um, in the Manchester derby. And Neville, for that one, was saying, you know, you can't, it is what it is, it's a penalty. Whereas this is a pretty blatant push into the back of the defender who is competing to win the ball, and and if he if he isn't pushed, there's a there's a higher probability that he wins the ball, right? It's not a fair leap for this ball. That for me was a foul. I obviously you, you see on Twitter and, and everywhere else that there's a, a a full range of opinions on this. Um, but what I don't like, and what I wanted to point out on this podcast episode, is the way some pundits will support one incident, but then they won't have the same energy for another incident, which, in my view, is actually worse. I think they're both penal- uh, They're both fouls. Um, the Rodri one, it's very soft, but McTominay, you know, you're playing a dangerous game. We just want consistency. In an ideal world, you'd, you'd be able to push and pull a little bit in the penalty area. It's a physical game, isn't it? If you were to watch clips of, I'd say 30, 40 years ago, but you don't even have to go back that far. Keeping it with Gary Neville, if you watch clips of Gary Neville, there's a, a famous game, obviously, where um, Arsenal lost their unbeaten run at Old Trafford. Neville should have been sent off about five times in that game. So I can see why Arteta is livid, because it results in a goal after Manchester City have already put in a dominant performance earlier in the day. Now it looks all the while like Man City are going to just go on this incredible run Arsenal have lost their first game of the season in a very controversial way. And again, we are talking about referees and the poor decisions, the lack of decisions. I mean, this game, the Havertz one, he doesn't fully connect, does he, with with the, the challenge, but it's still a rash challenge. Havertz, I mean, Arteta can be angry. Maybe he's angry at himself for, for some of the business that he's doing. I don't understand the Havertz deal. Maybe... He's playing 4D chess and he's thinking three years into the future when Havertz fully develops into this amazing player. But right now, Havertz is not that guy. He is not doing the job that Arteta wants him to do. He sort of just runs around like a headless chicken to me when I watch him play. Maybe maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's more to his game that I'm not seeing. It was a reckless challenge from him. He could have been sent off if he connected uh, for sure. I think he brushed uh, the player, didn't he, with his foot, but studs were high uh, and his leg was high. And then Bruno Gimarias, you know, with the, the sort of arm slash elbow into the back of the head of Jorginho, um, that should have been a red. But you've got to put the blame on the referees. They're, they're just struggling to control the games. I think with, with all this controversy and the more controversy that comes at them, they're just bottling it. It's like they're just going into their shell and crumbling, essentially. We need stronger figures, stronger referees in the game, I think. So, title race rant over. If you want a prediction from me right now, it's hard to bet against Manchester City watching them uh, at the weekend. They dismantled Bournemouth. I know it's Bournemouth. Um, But moving on to some of the other teams, Man United 1-0 victory away at Fulham. Again, if you watch my predictions video, I did say that this is a very probable outcome. They can just scrape these kind of results. I did say it might be a moment of magic from Bruno, which is sort of what it was. It was a nice little shimmy on the edge of the box and... um, Keeper maybe should have done better, but there was a few bodies in front of him. It's a massive win for Ten Hag. It's a very, very good couple of weeks as well for um, Harry Maguire. 
And again, something that I want to mention after the Liverpool game is I'm noticing just how fickle pundits and fans are. You've got people who, after the Liverpool game, now they're saying they're not good enough for a title race. You know, they need this, they need that. You've drawn away at Luton, who they're they're in the Premier League for the first time in a very long time. You know, they're a small club. Going there is going to be difficult for these teams. Liverpool had, I think it was 3.53 xG, right? So play that game nine times out of ten and they, they win it comfortably. It's disappointing for Liverpool and the fans, obviously, but there's just this overreaction with every single result. Um, And I guess I'm just trying to bring a bit of nuance to it because many teams will go to Luton and struggle. You know, Tottenham didn't have it easy when they went there the other week. They're a big physical team. The crowd is very close to you. It's it's 10,000, absolutely ram-packed. It's a hostile atmosphere. As it is when you go to places like Sheffield United, when you go to Everton as well. These these are not easy places to go to. And as I record this on Monday, we've obviously got uh, Chelsea Tottenham tonight. Um, Manchester City are top now. Liverpool are three points off Manchester City. And you've got people, even like Jamie Carragher, you say, oh, Liverpool are never going to win the league now. They need this, they need that. They still played okay yesterday. They still created chances. Really um, nice to see Diaz uh, on the on the bench and then coming on and scoring. Can't even begin to imagine what he is going through. I can't really even imagine playing, but maybe he needs that escape from all of the the horrible stuff that's been happening. I hope um, his dad is is found and recovered and uh, is is unharmed. We obviously have no idea. You can't even begin to speculate what, what's going on. Let's take a quick look at the championship. Some interesting results. Norwich, another defeat, another home defeat as well. They lost 3-1 to Blackburn. That leaves them 17th in the table. Just five victories from 15 games. David Wagner is the manager as I record this. Um, <laughs> they were 2-0 down early on at home as well. So, um, yeah, it wasn't the best of atmospheres uh, from what I've heard. And um, they've got to improve soon, haven't they? Or, or they'll be looking for yet another manager. Some high-scoring draws as well. Potentially a coupon buster if you were just hoping that Ipswich would continue this amazing run. They drew 2-2 away at Birmingham. Wayne Rooney's Birmingham, as we are obliged to say. Bristol City sacked Nigel Pearson and uh, then kept a clean sheet and uh, got a victory against Sheffield Wednesday, who are really, really struggling this season. They got a red card in the first half of that game. Uh, It keeps them bottom of the championship, just six points after 15 games, a single victory. For Bristol City, it moves them up to 11th. And Frank Lampard has been touted, of course. I think he's going to have his name linked with a lot of uh, championship jobs. Um, Oxford's Liam Manning as well is up there. Eustace, who is at Birmingham. Um, I'd go for someone in League 2 or League 1, give them a chance, see what they're made of. Oxford obviously doing very well in League One. They play some really good football. Plymouth 3, Middlesbrough 3, an exciting game there. Uh, Plymouth more than capable, as we know, as I've mentioned many times on this podcast. Plymouth, they, they are fantastic at scoring goals, especially at home. Middlesbrough came and also scored three. Great game there. Preston scored three as they beat Coventry 3-2. A much-needed victory for Preston after they went seven games without a victory. Um, I did say this at the start of the season when they were flying that 
it will not last. They will start to lose and draw games as they did last season. They started well the season before, didn't they? And um, yeah, they haven't kept it up. Maybe they can start putting together some results, but they're still conceding goals. They conceded two at home to Coventry, but they did manage to get that win. And it keeps them in the playoffs just about. Leicester City topping the charts, of course, but they did lose on Friday night to Leeds, who are third. And interestingly, the start that Leeds have made to this season in I think any of the last 10 or 15 years would have had them top of the league in the championship. Uh, They've got 28 points after 15 games, but of course, Leicester and Ipswich obviously flying. Just back to the Premier League for a moment then, and uh, Sheffield United, big win for them. Great goal from Cameron Archer, if you haven't seen it. He just absolutely smashes it uh, from outside the box, and uh, it's one of those where it hits the bar, bounces up, and then hits the top of the net. Really, really uh, satisfying to watch. It wasn't long uh, before Wolves got back in the game in the 89th minute. I bet Sheffield United were thinking, oh, here we go again. Um, But then 10 minutes into added time, they get a penalty, and uh, Norwood puts it away for a first victory of the season. They are still bottom of the table with four points after 11 games. They've got an identical record to Burnley. And I must say, the more I watch Burnley, um, the more I worry for them. There has to be some sort of change there. uh, Whether that's the manager or the style of play, they're just conceding for fun. Only Sheffield United have conceded more than Burnley. But remember, Sheffield United had that 8-0 drumming from Newcastle, which you might consider an anomaly in the you know the grand scheme of things as we go through the season. They're not losing 8-0 every week, are they? And into the Bundesliga, and then there were two in terms of the unbeaten runs coming to an end. Uh, Stuttgart, I mean, since the last time I mentioned um, the Bundesliga on the podcast, I think it was a a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, um, there must have been some midweek games because Stuttgart have now lost three games. They've uh, played 10, won seven, which is, you know, fair enough, but they've lost three. So as I said in that episode, I think they will, out of those four teams that were unbeaten, they will fall away. Dortmund looks short this year. Um, I think they're always going to score and win most of the games against other teams in the league. But when they come up against Leverkusen and when they come come up against Bayern Munich, as they did this weekend, Bayern Munich are too hot to handle. And Harry Kane, absolutely incredible the way he's playing, um, the way he's dropping in and people running off him. It is so good to watch. This game was incredible. He could have scored four or five. I mean, he got three, but he could. Have, he had a couple, I think, that were ruled out for offside. Bayern had, I think, three goals ruled out for offside or three moments where they were, you know, basically one-on-one, but the flag goes up. Really tight calls, but it's just when Harry Kane drops, they're not used to it yet, these teams. Um, the Premier League teams sort of got used to Harry Kane dropping into that space. And it's one thing when he's doing it for Tottenham, and you've got Son to, to worry about. But in this Bayern Munich team, you've got four or five players that you have to know where they are at all times. Um, Sane is is having an incredible season as well. And uh, you would expect Bayern to, to just maintain this form now. Bayer Leverkusen uh, continued their run. They've won all but one game, which was uh, a draw against Bayern Munich a 2-2 draw, and most of their games this season have been really fun. Uh, The game at the weekend, they were away at Hoffenheim. It was a 3-2 victory. The football they play is great. They're scoring almost as many goals as as, uh, Bayern Munich. 
and I really wish that they can maintain this challenge. It's going to be difficult, though, when uh, the Europa League comes around again and uh, they've got multiple games to play in one week. But, yeah, Xabi Alonso looks like he's uh, heading for the top in terms of the managerial ladder. And maybe one of the most impressive stories of the weekend, maybe of the season so far, comes from La Liga, where Girona top the table, 31 points after 12 games. Incredible 10 wins one draw and one defeat. Real Madrid could only manage a nil-nil draw at home to Real Vallecano this Sunday, whilst Barcelona got a one-nil victory. So you could say they are the winners of this weekend. Atletico Madrid also losing. Uh, but Girona, wow, what a story. Eric Garcia from Barcelona to Girona, of course. He could be potentially on for a successive title I do think they will struggle to maintain it but it is a fantastic start it's amazing to see I know by Leverkusen are not underdogs really but it's still great to see given where they were when Xabi Alonso took over I think they were pretty much on the brink of the relegation places and he guided them to a European finish and now he's just continued that progress and Girona under manager Mikel who um has an interesting career so far, sacked from Rayo after relegation. And then when Huesca were in the relegation zones in 2021, he was also sacked there. But he comes to Girona and, um, yeah, right man, right time. Similar, you know, Leicester vibes. Ranieri, is he the greatest manager in the world? Probably not. Is he the man to take this group of players on to do something special? Potentially. He got promotion with Girona in his first season, kept them up, and uh, now obviously they are top of the table heading into November. So fair play to them. Um, We'll keep tabs on them and see how they do across the season. Despite the good start, you would be foolish to bet on anyone other than Real Madrid or Barcelona winning La Liga this season. In terms of upcoming football, we've got the Champions League this week. It is returning. Uh, Some good games that I'm looking forward to. Atletico Madrid, Celtic, Dortmund, Newcastle. We're getting to a point now where these games are pretty critical, you know, in terms of deciding who you might think is going to qualify. Dortmund beat Newcastle, didn't they, in the reverse fixture. So this is a a big game for Newcastle, and um, they've obviously used up a lot of energy. They, they, They didn't exactly rest players against Arsenal, so... It'll be interesting to see what kind of performance we see. They were obviously not great in Milan, but still came away with a point. I think Eddie Howe would take a point if you offered it to him right now because he knows that bringing teams back to St. James's Park is so advantageous. It's just so difficult to play there. Fair play to Dortmund. They got a result there, didn't they? AC Milan, PSG, the other game. It doesn't matter what game in Group F. It's going to be a um, one that you want to watch, isn't it, given the teams in the group. Man City hosting Young Boys. You would expect another four, five, six uh, goals at the Etihad. There's Championship games and League One games as well across the week. Manchester United with a, a tricky tie away at Copenhagen. They narrowly beat them in the previous game. And I think at this moment in time, as I said on on this episode and the previous episode, I think Ten Hag, he's just looking for effective football, just wants to relieve the pressure. He he said it himself, didn't he, in a press conference before the Fulham game. He can't really try and play the beautiful way right now. He doesn't have the players. He doesn't have the defenders. Uh, Casemiro's out for a, a, a spell, four weeks or so. You can't be asking McTominay to play like Bush gets. It just doesn't work. 
They were in for De Jong before he went to Barcelona, Manchester United. I think that would have been a great signing. They should have been in for Rice. They didn't go for him. Harry Kane, you know, the list goes on. If you're splashing 80 million or whatever it was on, on Hoyland and Anthony and Sancho and Casemiro was, what, 60 million as well. These prices are crazy. Ten Hag, he can only control what he could control. He can only uh, use the players available to him. Maybe we'll see Mason Mount in this game. He was a substitute again against Fulham. And even when it was nil-nil, 60, 70 minutes, Mount was still on the bench. He came on quite late. There was substitutes made ahead of him. So it's just interesting, you know, the pecking order. Is he unfit? Is he not really fitting into Ten Hag's plans? It just makes the whole transfer seem a little bit strange, doesn't it? Arsenal, Seville, Eindhoven, Lenz, Napoli, Union Berlin, Real Madrid, Braga. You would expect Napoli and Madrid to get the job done there. And uh, I will come back on probably Thursday or Friday for another preview show. I'll give some predictions. We'll put together a bit of a double. Um, If you've enjoyed this one, let me know. Let me know what kind of episodes you prefer, whether you prefer ones where I ramble, whether you prefer ones where I I look at um, stats or preview games or just talk generally about football. Still trying to work out what the podcast should be. I do enjoy recording it, though. It just keeps me uh, fresh and up to date with football. I spend a bit of time just looking over all of the the results from the weekend. And then that is the podcast episode. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to leave a review, that would help. And um, I will see you in the next one.